Hello, I'm Derek Weekly, and welcome to episode 97 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Um, thank you very much for tuning in to YouTube or wherever, Spotify, all those ones. Um, a big thank you to uh, Lisa McInerney for coming on last week to talk about her, her books and how she creates her characters and oh, lo- loads of stuff, to be honest. It was a great episode. If you haven't listened, uh, make sure to do so. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It always helps. I know I'm always going on about that. Um, and obviously, thanks for your support throughout the week with the you know social media and all that. Um, it's great to have you all on board, as usual. Um, our guest this week is a marine biologist, and she is Anya Lisa Shannon. How are you doing, Anya? Great, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. You're very welcome. It's great to have you on. Um, I'm just listening through my my headphones. I'm hearing the rain on the roof and the wind and all that it's a pretty miserable evening out there so it's not too bad of a place to be recording a podcast on uh you know this evening um yeah yeah i know the weather's bad on my side as well so it's cozy evening nice night in it is and you know we're going to get back to that and when it comes to your profession um about weather and stuff that's involved with it you know um <laughs> but good. listen we'll start where we always do on you um could you give us a short history of your upbringing please yeah, so I am currently based in Cork City at the moment, but I grew up in Ennis in County Clare. I have a bit of, so all right, I didn't grow up in the most wealthiest of family families. Um, I'm the oldest of two, of three, three kids. So I have two younger brothers, Owen and Keen, and we actually all have different fathers. That, many, that kind of shocks some people sometimes, but we're, we're so close. And like my mom, I'm really close to my mom and you know, my brothers were a really tight-knit family. So grew up in a council estate in Ennis. And yeah, kind of just started from there. And then um, once I was in kind of transition year, I realized that, you know, I didn't actually just want to be, you know, a lot, a lot of people in, you know, the council estate I grew up in, absolutely nothing wrong with it. But, you know, a lot of them were kind of telling me, you know, don't do transition year. Why don't you just kind of go straight on and, you know, be a beautician or be a hairdresser or something like that. But I knew one thing was that like I always wanted to get out of the town and I always wanted to kind of see the world and stuff. And when I did transition year, I ended up going to an open day in um, NUI Galway. And that's when I realized you could actually become a marine biologist as a full time job. I always just thought it was a hobby at first. Mm. Like growing up around Clare and stuff, I was always kind of in, you know, La Hinch and I was based near the coast anyway. So I always had a fascination with the sea. And after that, then I realized, oh, my God, I can actually, you know, do this as a full time job. But unfortunately, I didn't get the Leaving Cert points first. Mm. So the Leaving Cert, I think it was 420 and I got 340. Now, I did miss a lot of school when I was younger as well, just kind of from my upbringing and stuff. So I was really, really bad at math. Still to this day, can barely even understand my fractions. And that is, I'm not even lying about that. So I did have to try really hard and kind of get the points. But unfortunately, I didn't. And after that, you know, it was a huge letdown because I really wanted to do marine biology. I then went on and um, someone told me about a course in NUIG it's called an access course. Mm. So it's the equivalent of a PLC, but it's only based in NUIG. And if you do really well in that, you can go on then and study something that's based in NUIG, like a denominated course. So I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to get good grades in that. And I ended up studying marine science in Galway. And then I did I got my two one did very well. I always struggled with um, I didn't Im- imposter syndrome. I thought mm. I wasn't good enough to do the course for a very long time. 
I came out with a good grade and then I went down to Cork then and I did my master's in marine biology in UCC and yeah here I am now working as a science communicator I suppose. It's um do you know it's interesting because we were talking to uh, Lisa McInerney the writer last week and she spoke about um, her working class background and how she takes a lot of pride in it and how she's very proud to write her, her characters um, within that you know uh, working class situation in her books but she also talked a bit about imposter syndrome as well and she she talked about you know as a writer to be able to uh you know write about the working class and for people to be aspire you know like you talk about basically saying you know you you felt that you you know an imposter in the situation that you were in um it's really it is really um something to aspire to when people are out there talking about it you know because it's something that i think a lot of people will not mention and and for fear of you know like you said like there's a lot of sneering around that kind of thing you know in ireland and it's a real it's obviously a real shame but it's great that you did kind of um carry on to do the thing that you wanted to do yeah and i really struggled for a long time kind of like i really especially when i went into college because it really hit me how intelligent people were and i always had it in my head that because i didn't get the points in leaving cert I didn't belong there and I wasn't as intelligent as these people who were coming out with 400 500 points and I realized it wasn't even how intelligent you were in school it was how passionate and how committed you were to actually doing something if you love if you love it I mean it's you never work a day in your life you know Mm. and growing up in the council estate and stuff and you know there was a lot of stigma you know because we all had different dads and you know we had St. Vincent de Paul used to help us at Christmas time and everything, you know, so we were, that was, this was years ago now, now we're in a much better place, but there was a lot of negative stigma surrounding that, but now I'm so proud of where I've come from and that's what I want to get across. That's why I never want to like pretend I'm something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. I want people to know that I came from like a working class background, you know, and it was, it was low income for a long time and we had to work hard because I want kids to, to realize that like, you don't just have to grow up in a wealthy family and have everything handed to you. that's not always the case so I want to encourage people you know kids out there who are kind of in similar situations to you know put the head down and you you can get out of those situations as well you know 100% and very well said and so so kind of coming off that then when did you first become aware of mental health oh god I think I really kind of became aware of it in in college because I'd never you know when you're a teenager and stuff for me like I had kind of I had some issues with them my temper and stuff I just I didn't know how to control my emotions when I was angry and I'd start shouting and I realized when you're shouting or like you're kind of losing your temper you um you're deflecting from the actual situation because you're trying to distract Mm. so it really kind of hit me and then I think as well when I was in college I started drinking more and I started partying a lot more and I mean my mental health just went completely completely downhill in second year college a lot of stuff was happening back home as well and I just I didn't give a crap, to be honest. So my grades started to go down and I realized I came out, I think it was in, it was the end of second year. I came out with four repeats. Mm-hmm. So I failed four modules that I realized, okay, something wasn't right. I just, I didn't have my head in it anymore. So I started to go to counseling, like full-blown counseling. I first started it off. Um, I was lucky enough that NUIG provided free counseling, counseling services. And I think with college, I think you're only allowed six weeks. So it's once a week. But because I was dealing with a lot of issues, they continued it on for me. I think if a student is really struggling, they will continue on. So I kept going with that. And, 
geez, I've done a lot of it now. I'm not even going to lie. I've done, I did that. And then I did another group therapy session. I did, is it CBT? T, yeah, yeah. I did that. I've done so much now because I, I, I needed it and it, oh my God, it helped me so much. And like, I wouldn't be where I am today now if it wasn't for noticing my me- mental health and doing the counseling sessions and being open about it as well, you know? Yeah, it, it helps an awful lot. And I, I, I love that we have talked about it on the show before about the, uh, how colleges have facilitated that for students. And it's very, yeah. very important. And it, it's, it's brilliant that they're doing it, obviously. So this is a, a pretty basic question, I think. Um, but what is a marine biologist? So to put it to the basics, really, marine biology is just studying the sea, whether it be mm. the biological side, the oceanic side, chemistry. But really what I would focus on is I'm a biologist. So I would focus on all the living stuff, the, the life cycles and everything. And the department that I work in particularly is the aquaculture industry. So what aquaculture means is it's just the farming of plants and animals underwater. Mm. We farm on land, that's called agriculture. Aquaculture is the same thing, except there's water involved. <laughs> I mean, that's perfectly summed up for us. Uh, yeah. I think. So you talk about, so when you say, because obviously you grew up by the sea, and you yeah. talk about like realizing that it was something that you could work at rather than just a hobby and that. But but what like around what age were you when you were thinking about something to do with the sea? Like were you were you an eight year old? You know the way we we dream about being an astronaut or whatever people dream about. But yeah. what age were you when you started dreaming about saying working around in and around the sea? I always had an interest with the outdoors, and there was something to do with the sea. I always had a fascination with what was underneath it for some mm. reason depth I don't know deep sea really fascinated me I was always like research like even when I was younger I remember like you know we'd go to a lake or we'd go to the sea and I'd be like how deep do you think that is now you know I just couldn't wrap my head around it I always had that fascination and when I was younger as well I, I was always attracted to like the rock pools at the beach but I didn't grow oh, I, like I wasn't a five-year-old saying I want to be a marine biologist mm. I wanted to be a pop star I idolized Britney Spears Absolutely yeah. right. that's what I wanted to be and I think then once I was kind of around maybe 12 or 13 14 like I was we were always outdoors when you're that age as well you know it's not like now where you're kind of stuck inside on your phones and because of COVID as well you can't go outside so I just always knew I had an interest in the ocean and I used to watch a lot of documentaries when I was younger I can't remember her name Valerie something anyway she's a marine scientist she made me realize like I used to watch her documentaries and I just fell in love with her it was just amazing to see her traveling around and then when I went to the open day in NUIG, I always thought it was a hobby. I always thought just kind of, because the scuba diving stuff is a hobby. But then when I went and did like, you know, the open day and I had the careers day, I was like, oh, you can actually do this as a full-time job. That's when I really put my head down. Because when I was in um, secondary school, up until transition year, really, I, I struggled with school. Like I used to be in a lot of trouble. Mm. You know, I got suspended from school. Because you're just lashing out in the wrong way. And that happens to a lot of kids when they grow up with them. Um, kind of low-income backgrounds are are people with wealthy backgrounds but you know more so often not the lower income and you know I used to get in a lot of trouble I was suspended I think I was on that report card thing every year and it was in TY I realized no this is just not the path I want to take so I I wanted to go to college you know I wanted to see what was out there and then I really did put the head down after TY and I turned it around so just supposed to show like you can turn it around absolutely it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's great. Um, so who then you told uh, aquaculture, the, 
where you work, is it a governmental a government department? Yeah, so it's a it's a government company. It's called uh, Bordish Gawara. But okay. um, so there's two of them really in Ireland. There's a Marine Institute in Galway and Oran Moore, and then there's Bordish Gawara, and they're based in Dunleary in Dublin. But I'm not technically employed with them. I'm a contractor. Right. So I'm contracted to through another company called H2 Learning, and they deal with like primary schools and stuff. So I work on a project called the Arc. What that stands for is aquaculture remote classrooms. Aquaculture meaning the farming of plants and animals underwater, remote because I teach it from home and the kids mm. are at school, and classroom because we hope they learn something. So we're basically a self-expanding mobile classroom before COVID. And we used to travel all around Ireland in a big yellow truck kitted out like a submarine. They teach fifth and sixth class students all about aquaculture and marine biology in Ireland. So we used to visit the schools and we spend a, a day there. And it's a whole workshop. They'll hop on the truck and it's a four or five hour workshop. We'll do lots of different activities on board. And it's brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. They, like kids must absolutely love that kind of thing. Oh, they, they love it. And like the goal of the truck is like if you hop on, the, it's not like it's totally self-expanding. And, you know, it really and we're getting a new one now again, currently in its top of the range. But the goal is to make it the total opposite to like your typical classroom in school mm-hmm. so it's very theatrical it's like when they come in there like there's three massive screens it's like they're sitting down in a cinema right what it is there's all these led lights and they're just blown away and we just talk about the aquaculture industry and you know what species we farm in ireland and how they're farmed and why we farm them mainly on the west coast of ireland because the weather and the soil can be quite mm-hmm. poor for agriculture but they have endless amounts of sea when you live on the west so they just use their natural resource instead. We talk about that and we talk about some underlying issues and there is a lot of negative stigma around, you know, fish farming. So we bring that in as well and we explain the scientific side of that. Hmm. And yeah, it's great. But since COVID has hit now, um, I'm currently working from home a lot of the time and I would teach webinars to kids and I teach TY students as well about the potential careers in the aquaculture and fishing industry. And then sometimes I'll, travel around and i'll visit um fishing producers and aquaculture producers all along the west coast as well i love the idea that you're now back in you know with transition years telling them like what you found out it's it's a brilliant way to kind of close the loop um on you just let me read out an ad and we'll get back into it all right yeah of course okay i'm doing all right with this ad at the moment Fusion Training Centre, Monksland, Athlone. A place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Centre or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Centre. Train like a warrior. Not bad. Uh, okay. Self-praise <laughs> is no praise. Um, so when I contacted you uh, about coming on and you mentioned about the kind of connection between mental health and the sea uh, for you and the ocean for you um how important for your mental health is it for you to be near the ocean oh it actually just saves me mm. it, 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 that's literally what it does i mean when i feel down or i'm stressed out i like i'm based in cork city so i'm not like right near the coast mm. i'm i'll take a drive i'll drive for a half an hour just to get out there and i'll just sit there sometimes i'll go in for a swim you don't have to Sometimes I'll just sit there and I'll literally just watch the waves. It's just completely, it's, it saved me and my mental health a lot of the time when I've just been feeling really low or really down. 
And I think it, it does clear the head for a lot of people, you know, getting out of the city or getting out of the environment that's stressing you out. You get yourself out of that and you go for a walk on the beach or even go for a walk in the woods. Mm. And it, I, for me, I think it totally clears the head. And I mean, if you can get in and go for a sea swim, I think that's even better. As much and all as I do hate the cold a lot of the time, if I just run in and I come back out, oh, I just, your worries literally are just washed away. That's for me anyway. I'm going to, we are going to talk about that in, in, in a few minutes. And I will, it's because I've started doing it in the lake and then in the sea when I get up to Dublin or whatever. But yeah. I want to, I want to chat a bit about that too, because it, I agree with everything you just said there, but we'll add on a bit more. Uh-huh. But, um, so when I was looking up a little bit about uh, marine biology, because I do research things sometimes, yeah. and people might be surprised to know that. But so a large part of your work would be projects. Would that be right? Yeah, I mean, and even my job now at the moment is it's it's an ARC project. That's what yeah, it's yeah. called, and it's it's based it's funded through the European Union, and the campaign is called Hashtag Farms in the EU. Right. I mean, that's the project right now, and it's it's currently working. I think it's it's in its third year now, and you have to keep reevaluating the project every year and see if it's worth the while, you know, putting the money into it and all. Mm. But the, the projects that I've been in now, I mean, we're the only country in Europe to um, kickstart a, a mobile classroom traveling around. So we're actually bringing it now into other European countries. I mean, Finland are really oh. interested. France are really interested. So it has been working, you know, but they are, yeah, when you're a marine biologist, a lot of the time you can be a contractor or you could just work in um, a consultancy. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't want to do consultancy. This job for me was perfect. Science communication, you know, talking to people. It's yeah, and well, that, if that's your thing, that's you know, yeah. if you if that's your uh, kind of because I suppose people in consultancy jobs would be happy to do it because maybe they aren't going to talk to people, and you know, yeah. and that's fine too because yeah. it's you know, it's each each for their own kind of each yeah, for everything. Sure. Um, I saw on your Instagram page there's some really cool little kind of organisms and and things that you show on it and there was yeah. one there was one in particular and you'll have to remind me of the name now but it was taken a while ago but you were you're in the water and it's it's, it's something to do japanese something and it's kind of looks like seaweed or maybe it's a some sort of a oh, plant it's a seaweed um sargassum so what and is that is that a did you is that a poisonous kind of situation for the sea it's an invasive species so what that means okay. is it's um it's native to japanese waters it just means that it was it's a non-native species that's found its way into Irish waters. And because that seaweed is extremely fast growing and it has these little bladders on it, it literally has air pockets. So it floats up right to the top because mm. seaweed get their food through photosynthesis, which means they need sunlight to produce the food. So what it does is they use the air bladders to literally float at the top, but it completely smothers every other species down below, like all the other lower lying seaweeds. And it's such a fast grower. But yeah, that one has been um, rampant in Ireland at the moment. Sometimes what? a lot of it dies off in the winter, but it's still a major problem. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually. What can you do, like, apart from it dying off in the winter, what can, can you do about it? Actually, I was looking up st- studies on it, and the best thing to do is actually leave it alone. Okay. That's what they're saying, because a lot of people have been trying to cut it, cut it back but that can actually end up causing it to reproduce even more because the, the spores and stuff will be passing along with the currents. So yeah, I was looking up a study. It first originated, I think, up in Galway. Right. And as of now, they're leaving it alone and it is slowly reducing, but a lot of other countries worldwide have had the same problem with it. Right. And I think from what I read, the reason it was found in Irish waters, this is what my lecturer told me years ago. I don't know now if it's right or not, but she said that it was 
um, being, it was dumped into the sea because um, someone had an old aquarium and they thought they were doing the right thing by dumping it back in. Mm. And I can see why they would think that. Yeah. But it just goes to show you need to do your research as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. Like, if that is what happened, I mean, it's a very normal thing that someone would do, you know. Of course, yeah. And you think yeah. you were doing a good deed as well. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to throw it back in, let it live. <laughs> yeah, like, bring it home kind of a situation. Yeah. But, I, but I, you know, it's funny, like, those kind of little things can happen. And not just with, with you know, uh, the sea. You've seen it with plant life and things like that as well, yeah. where people just, you know, think, oh, this won't be harmful. I'll plant it here and certain things happen. And it's just, look, it's, it's, it's completely an innocent thing that people do. But you're right about, certainly about things like that because of the, the factors that can come down the line, which you're yeah. trying to work with or people trying to fight against and stuff. Um, how big is when you're, um, besides your project, we'll say, um, what's the conservation side of things like in Ireland? So in my industry, we wouldn't really kind of focus on the con- conservation. Mm. You know what? If I'm going to be honest, I don't think Ireland um, is the best, but like, you know, marine protected areas, that's one thing that we need to really be focusing in on. And I think we've only got a couple of, I'm going to say around three or four MPAs is what they're called, mm. marine protected areas. And um, that needs to be changed. I mean, there's so much marine life all around Ireland. Even you go like a couple of hundred kilometers off the coast, we have um, deep sea corals. I mean, they're being destroyed through to trawling. Mm. There's been a lot of issues with those. We have a lot of marine mammals off the coast. There's been blue whales, the biggest mammal in the world that's been spotted off the coast of Ireland. I mean, there needs to be a lot more done on the conservation side for sure. There's a couple of, uh, I think, charities. There's Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. They're doing a really good job. And Seal Rescue Ireland, they're great for um, rescuing seals and stuff that have been, you know, abandoned by their their mums and stuff as pups. But as of now, the conservation side, it needs to be, we need to kind of move on. Like, I mean, I'm seeing other countries in, in Europe and stuff, they have a lot more MPAs compared to Ireland. I feel like Ireland is very slow to react to certain things. Once they see other countries doing successful things they're getting on well then they'll go okay now we'll take that on board <laughs> yeah um that is very irish um yeah. I, I think we, we had um we had collianis on who was talking about uh insects and arachnids and stuff like that and he's really big into conservation with regards we'll obviously he talked about boglands which is obviously where i am here there's a lot of boglands around um, and trying to protect the boglands and again it's suggested that it's not great what we're doing like yeah. you're suggesting with with the to see that it's not great as well and and it's that kind of thing of for for anybody out there who's trying to make something of a difference you know and i think it's difficult when it comes to the sea because of the vastness and we we can look at you know go around the beaches and clean the beaches which is a great thing to do obviously but people want to do more but it may be not the the information's not out there and it's because of the slowness of the government to try and sort things out it's yeah. like it, you when you talk about the the, the protected parts I mean, we're surrounded, like, you know, by the sea. And it's yeah. it, it's, a, it's weird. If you talk about different European countries probably doing more, there's probably more landlocked countries doing more than we do. It's crazy. I've said it for such a long time. We're an island surrounded by seawater. Mm. We depend on our ocean so much in Ireland. And, like, a lot of the time we're doing very little. It's just, it's crazy. And, I mean, you know, we can do as many beach cleans as we want. But I feel like it's the tip of the iceberg. Whatever you're seeing that's getting washed up, mm. 90% of it is still under the water, you know? And a lot of it is fishing gear. And oh. I'm hearing mixed reports. Some people say that it's um, 
Spanish fishing vessels that are kind of dumping it in because you can actually tell the difference between fishing uh, Irish fishing gear and Spanish. Right. Because so, we do have we have a lot of other European countries fishing off our coast, which a lot of Irish fishermen are not happy about, and that's that's fair enough as well. I, I get that. Um, but I'm seeing mixed reports. Some of it, some of the fishing gear being washed up is Irish, and other stuff is kind of other European countries. But there needs to be way more regulations done on the dumping of it, and even. You know, we plan, you know, when people go out fishing and stuff, we're supposed to have like a fisheries observer on board to stop mm-hmm. them from called bycatch. So you might accidentally catch a dolphin or something like that. And then you just throw it overboard. But the dolphin is already dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so much money involved in fishing at the moment that. I mean, you're not going to if even if you if there's a fisheries observer on board to make sure everything is legal, they're not going to they're going to be afraid to say anything because it's just a huge it's a multi Billion, million, million industry. Do you know? I mean, people are terrified. Some yeah, I think that's kind of the disappointing side of it is that there's so many people, you know, against the, those kind of things. But because of the fact, and it's in everything, but money talks like that's yeah. that's what rules. And it's such a shame, like that we're not trying to push back on that a little bit. But um, when we talk about um, the cold, and you know, because everybody loves the ocean when it's sunny and warm, and you know, everything's going well, this, you know, all that stuff, but getting down there when it's cold and i, I want to kind of address what you what you mentioned about the sea swimming i know you were doing the october um thing yeah i started doing sea swimming i think maybe it was back in june july and the first time i got now i had not right trust me i hadn't been in the sea for years so i went to i was in black rock in dublin and i went into the sea there and it was so cold in J- june or july and you know when you're expecting something like oh it's, it's grand it's sunny it's warm I was freezing, but like you said, there was something about it, like something quite, something that kind of took away a certain level of anxiety almost that it, you know, when you step into something that cold, you tend to forget about a lot of your problems. That's the problem right then and there. It's the cold jumping out and stuff. And I, I, I found that, I find that like really kind of, I know, reinvigorating kind of a situation. Um, How do you get on with it? I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I I do struggle with the cold. I don't struggle with it as much in the summer. In the summertime, I don't. I mean, my boyfriend now he will still go. He will not go into the sea without a wetsuit. In mm. even in the summertime, whereas I will. I'll go into my togs and stuff. But I do struggle with the cold. And I mean, I think anyone who says they don't would be lying. I think even, no matter how long you've been sea swimming, there's still that cold water shock. Mm. But I mean, now, as of now, I haven't actually went out swimming now in in a few weeks. I think I went, I was down at the beach two weeks ago, but I actually had a chest infection, so I wasn't even going to try it. Okay. But if I, like, the next time I'm going to be down at the beach, I would definitely do it. I mean, it's just, as much and all as you hate getting in, and oh my God, you're never going to regret it once you're out. Do you, and it is, it's so true. I mean, the reason, I mean, it helps so many people, cold water therapy, is because you literally cannot focus on anything yeah. else aside from the fact of, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. Same with, I mean, I do a lot of hot yoga and it's in 40 degree heat. Mm. All I focus on, no matter how stressed I am, it's so hot. It's so hot. I need to get out of here. I need to get through this because you have nothing else to focus on. And it does totally kind of clear your mind. So when you come out, you go, Jesus, like that was, that wasn't too bad. And I'm, I'm feel refreshed, you know? So as much and all as you might hate going in, you'll never regret it once you're out and you've kind of warmed up. You're like, geez, that was amazing. You know, I, Agree, one hundred percent. And I'm, we're still in the togs, and we really have to get into the, the, the wetsuit because it's a bit ridiculous at the moment. Like, but 
there's there's one thing I want to actually mention, to, and maybe you, yourself and your boyfriend may have had this discussion before. But I go down with my mate uh, Josh. Okay, so we, we're we're in the lake at the moment, obviously, because we're in the Midlands and we just have the lakes, and obviously it's very cold. Now, Josh does it as a punishment almost. It's almost like he if he's not suffering in the water it's not worth getting in for so he'll go, he'll do 20 minutes and like i can see he's really struggling like now i'll do 10 minutes and that's fine with me but it's for the reason that you just mentioned the reason i just mentioned about fulfillment and and you know feeling great afterwards there's a weird thing of when we both are out and like he's really struggling like you know he's in the car with the, the seats warm and everything yeah, like yeah. that you do it for the same reasons as i do it have you heard of that silliness of someone doing it to punish themselves oh i have yeah oh really okay i i I see it online the whole time i see loads of people going in and i saw one photo um they were a uk swimming group and one woman literally had a sledgehammer and was smashing her way through the ice at the top she she was in her talk she had a woolly hat on literally and i actually believe they do enjoy it i think some people might just be kind of talking the talk but i do believe people like that it's it's a mental challenge and Mm. i think a part of it is if you can do this you can tackle anything when you're, you know, at home and when you're struggling. Yeah. I think, you know, the harder the challenge mentally, because it is, it's all mental. At the end of the day, you're feeling cold. That's, that's, it's physically difficult, but it's like anything, it's all in your head, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, that's what I think. So I do believe there are people out there that are just doing it for that challenge. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so funny because I'm, I'm at him all the time now because I think 20 minutes is too long and he think he needs to, you know, especially when we're at the end of November, I need, he needs to cut down to 10 just because yeah. I can't lift him out if anything happens. He's too big. I'm just not going to be able to lift him out. Yeah. And I, 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 like, I can't make him see it the way I see it because it's, you know, we're all different and, you know, and yeah. we started in a cryo bath and he, he wanted to be in there and he, it was killing him, but like he felt that this was like his, his punishment for whatever it is. It's like when the priests, what's it called? They slap themselves with the oak. That's yeah. what, that's his thing, you know, a self flagellation. Is that what it's called? I think that. I think it is. Yeah. So with, uh, with growing up around the sea and that, did you do anything else in the ocean? Were you, did you try surfing any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do surf badly. Okay. I don't want to pretend I, 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 I mean, I have a surfboard there. I surf now. I mean, you see me down the beach and I'm crap. I'm not even going to lie. I can get up on the board and stuff. Every now and again, I'll have a good day and a bad day. But I do surf. Um, I do kayak as well. Right. We purchased kayaks there, I think it was last year. I think it was the year before. And they were brilliant. So I am, and like, I'm, even if I'm not down at the beach to go for a swim or a surf, I'm over at the rock pools. I like, I just right. love it. And that's why I set up the Instagram page because I was just like, okay, if I love it, maybe some other people might love it. And that's Mm. literally just me walking down the beach and just going, oh, what's that? And taking a photo and explaining what it is. That's just literally it. And especially in Ireland, because we are an island surrounded by seawater, a lot of people still don't know what's kind of lurking in in the rock pools and along the seashore. And there's so much life. And people think, you know, when you think of snorkeling and scuba diving, you're in like a tropical ocean, you know, you're on the Great Barrier Reef. If there's just as much amazing life here off the coast of Ireland. I mean, you just need to find the right location. And as long as the, the weather is okay, you know? Yeah, the, I mean, uh, what I that's what I like about your page as well. Because, uh, you know, we see, um, you know, it's, gr- it's a great time for nature programs on TV. You, you can see so many. You can see them on, on YouTube or wherever you want to watch them. And I, I do love them. Like, they're great. And I like to see, the you know, whatever animals you might see. But they're not all 
as focused on those kind of things, rock pools. You'll get one or two here and there, you know, where, yeah. where they talk about it. But those kind of things that I saw on your uh, page, I hadn't seen before or heard of before. And like you say, they're here, like they're right on our doorstep. And I think I'm sure you t- you bring that to the kids on, on the bus where you talk about those things. And, you know, it'd be so cool to see kids just down there in the rock pools looking for these kind of, you know, little things that they didn't see before. It's It's, it's brilliant, you know. Yeah, it is. And you're very, you're very right, actually. I mean, a lot of stuff that I might share. Yeah, it's so true. Some of the, the TV shows, they don't actually show it. Mm. I just wanted to get out. You know, a lot of people are kind of afraid of the sea. And, you know, I just wanted to encourage people, you know, to get out and explore. And that's one of the main reasons as well. Uh, some of my posts, I kind of focus on jellyfish. And, you know, a lot of people hate, would not go into the water if there was jellyfish there. And, you know, I mean, most of the species that we have in Ireland are actually okay. We just don't like the feel of them. And, yeah, you know, I mean, the Portuguese man of war and the lion's mane, I would be worried about. I wouldn't go in swimming with them. But I mean, they're fascinating creatures. And that's what I wanted to get across. I mean, I think they're 500 million years old. Those are some dinosaurs. You know, yeah. it's, there's a reason they're in our, in our waters. People hated them. You know, but I had a lot of people come back to me after I did my post on jellyfish. And they're like, thank you so much. Now I'm not afraid to go into the water with them. And now I can identify which ones to stay clear of and which ones to swim with. You know, yeah. and that brings me so much joy. I love that. It's and it's like that's so true about the jellyfish because I would throw myself in that in, in there as well because I was I can't remember who I was talking about it, but but I was um in Dublin in the in the you know the sea there doing the cold water. But when I went down to to Galway in September, I think it was around that time. Yeah. And I had heard about all the jellyfish down in Galway, and about that time, someone did tell me then not to be all gone at whatever time it was down there, but. I did think twice about it because it was because they've always <clears throat> excuse me they've always been built up as a scary thing yeah. you know since I was a kid so um yeah they are weird to feel like I get that as well but it's not that for it's it's the fact that you think oh you'll sting and it'll be terrible and it'll ruin your whole day and all that and we're we're not educated enough on jellyfish yeah 100% and I think a lot of the time with the jellyfish it's fear of the unknown mm. You know, I mean, they're not around our waters a lot. You know, they only kind of come in in the summer months. And it's the same with even, you know, if, you, if a wasp, like, I mean, if you've never been stung by a wasp, you're terrified of them. But once mm. you've actually been stung, it's like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad. It hurts, but it's not that bad. Or, you know, it's just it's such a negative stigma surrounding them. But once you actually understand them and they, they bring a lot of benefits as well. I mean, they, I think the crystal jellyfish, which is off the coast of Ireland, um, doesn't sting us, by the way. They used, they extracted, I think it's green fluorescent protein. So they actually use that to make glow in the dark mice. They use it um, for in, in, med- in medicine now at the moment as well. I mean, it's crazy. I think the scientists won a Nobel Prize for that. You know, so I mean, there is a lot of work being done on jellyfish and the, their stinging cells and stuff. So there is benefits to them as well. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, because my dad is hugely into to animals and nature shows. And he's always putting that point across that everything's there for a reason and every, yeah. you know, there's a point to everything. And we just have to kind of get that into our heads. So kind of following up on what you just said about scary things, I'm going to ask you a question about a scary thing. Um, have you had any scary ocean moments? No, and I think it's because as much and all as I love it, um, I'm very cautious around the sea. Mm. I'll never go sea swimming. Like I've went down to beaches before and planned to go swimming, but there's been no one on the beach. I won't go on my own. I just won't even I just I know how rough it can be and it can like I mean especially like down in Garth town in Cork where I'm based I mean I've went in surfing there a few times and 
you know, I've been in really shallow water, but because the waves are so strong, it can just take the sand from underneath you mm-hmm. and you can drop. And a lot of people will panic, you know, I have the surfboard so I can float with that, but I've just seen what the waves and the strength of the sea can do. I haven't had any scary moments. I mean, I'm always very cautious. Even when I go kayaking, I, I won't go on my own. I'll send a text to people on land saying I'm going. I'll always have my life jacket. I'll have my phone in a protective pocket. I think pe- the people, you know, and I'm, I'm not a strong swimmer, by the way. So mm-hmm. I'm very, I, I can swim, but I'm not, I wouldn't be a sea swimmer. Like, you know, the people who go swimming around the boys and stuff. Yeah. I know some people have gotten into trouble, but I have been lucky enough much more, to not have actually ever been in trouble. But I think that's because I'm so cautious. I'll check the weather. I'll check the swells. The sea is unforgiving. Yeah. I mean, if something bad happens, a lot of the time you might not get out. It's just, I've seen stories and it doesn't matter where you are in Ireland or around the world. So I'm just always cautious of that. And that's why as much now as I tell people to get out and explore, I'm just always like, always wear a life jacket if you're anywhere, you know, on a kayak or anything. Even in my, my Instagram posts, anytime I photos up my kayak and I'll always have a life jacket mm. on, you know, I'll always go out with somebody. It's just it's too dangerous to not be cautious of it. it. Like, and that's you know, I guess that helps with you growing up close to the sea and being able yeah. to kind of you know, as a, as young from when you were young. Because for me, obviously, growing up in Athlone here, it's you know next to the river and the river and the lakes and stuff like that. And we would have heard stories. There was too many stories to for you to take any risks that if you were going on a boat anywhere you just like i don't it doesn't matter if it, you don't look cool with a, a life jacket that's oh, just yeah. <laughs> how often did you hear it that doesn't, it doesn't bother me anymore if someone says that to me i'm like you're the one who's uncool not wearing the yeah. life jacket it is but like we i like i did grow up in a town like it wasn't very close to see there was a river running through it so we did go swimming and there's one place in ennis where there's it's an old abandoned quarry but it's completely flooded now with water and I suppose that was one scary moment. We all went down swimming. We were teenagers and there's a small little island out in the center of it. And I tried to swim across and I did swim across, but I really struggled. I actually did think there for a second there was a time that I, I was so tired. I could have drowned because, and then I realized, okay, I'm not as confident or as good of a swimmer as I thought. You just have to be cautious. I mean, because you do hear the horror stories and as much and all as they might've happened to somebody else, you never know if they'll happen to you. And just always wear a life jacket. I mean, Jesus, people who think they're not cool, I mean, it can literally save your life. I yeah. mean, that's it. Who cares? As long as you're alive, that that's all that matters at the end of the day. Exactly. People who think they're not cool grow up because yeah, it's silliness. Sure. Um, what you mentioned at the start of the, the podcast kind of freaked me out a little. The idea that you were fascinated by the depth of things. Okay, so the depth of the sea or, the, you know, um. That's the mo- that's the thing that terrifies me a little bit. I'll be honest, because not that I need to see the 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 you know the the seabed or or the the the, the lake bed or river bed, whatever it might be. Something I need to see that, but I need to be uh, sure that it's not too far away. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think you went the other way, which fascinates me. Um, have you? You said you mentioned scuba diving. Yeah. So that you're you're. Have you? How far have you gone down? What what's what way are you doing it? Is it more for research or no? It's recreational. I mean, okay. the most I've done is like fifteen meters. I've only done a couple of dives. Um, but, too deep. <laughs> but the thing is, right? I actually, when I before I started scuba diving, I used to be more afraid of snorkeling because I was on the top and I couldn't see what was on the bottom. Okay. Once you go down there, you see and you're like, it's just a totally different world. You're just down there and you go, oh. 
it's really not as scary as you think. Yeah, I swear to God, when I went down there, I was like, this is amazing. Like, and I used to be terrified to snorkel. I did. I had that thing where I was afraid of what was underneath because mm. I couldn't see the bottom. But once you're down there, it's actually fine. And like, there still are times that I will still get a little bit freaked out. You know, when you're in the scene, you're like, oh, something could be under me. I mean, at the end of the day, we're living in Ireland. There's yeah. not going to be much there. Like, there's going to be a bit of seaweed, a few fish, maybe a seal. But I mean, what are the chances they're going to come and attack you? You know, <laughs> it's it's weird. And, and I think uh, it's hard to know what I can put this down to. It could just be Jaws, the film. But I know I'm in Ireland, right? When I'm in, like, if just say I'm doing the, you know, sea, sea swimming or whatever. Or sea dipping, really. It's not really swimming. It's just getting in. But... Yeah. Say I'm just kind of floating around and I know that there's not a grey white shark under there. But my imagination will tell me that there might be because I it's like and you that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And I've never thought about it that when you're scuba diving, you're in the bottom and you can see everything then and you know. But and you're right, like once you're on the top on the surface, you just don't know what's going on underneath you. And I think like I, I mentioned this to someone could be on the podcast, even that we were, we were talking about that, that that's what freaks us out. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I always kind of compare it as well to um, your imagination just plays tricks. You know, for me anyway, if I'm downstairs in the middle of the night and I'm the last one to go to bed, I turn off the lights. I'm imagining someone's running after me as I'm coming <laughs> upstairs. It's the same yeah. thing. Your imagination just plays tricks on you and for no reason at all. But once you think about it logically, it's like, OK, mm. what is there going to be underneath it? And I guarantee you, if you ever go scuba diving, you're going to go, OK. This is not as bad. It will help you. It will definitely mm. help. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk because I didn't mention it when you were talking about it, but that the 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 calmness of the sea. The the you know I mean I don't mean that in the sense obviously the sea gets very not calm, but when I, I'd never kind of paid much attention because I didn't live next to it, and um, my mom was always big talking about the sea and stuff, and then she yeah. eventually got to move next to it, and she's happy obviously. But when I go up and visit. I started to realize that the calmness that I can get, even if I'm running by the sea, I, I yeah. go down by Dunleary there and that. And um, for my mental health and for my anxiety, it is quite an, a good thing. And I can't quite, and I, I think you're kind of helping me with that, you know, trying to figure out what it is that kind of gives me that kind of joy and that anxiety. And someone mentioned to me before about the vastness maybe have been what it's about. Like and the depth, depth could be another reason, but just the the kind of seemingly endless, you know, possibilities of the whole sea out in front of me. It's so big that such minor issues can be kind of put to rest while you're there. For sure, like one one hundred percent. And for me, I think a lot of the time it's actually the the smell of the sea. You know, when you mm. come, you're coming close to the beach. I know where you're on about, actually. I do, when I'm up in Dublin for work, I'll go running along the pier in Dunleary. It's an amazing place. Even the strength of the wind there and just mm. the smell. And I just, like, even when I'm running, as much as sometimes I hate it, I'll just watch, you know, people kind of coming in, sailing in and out, you know, by that pier. And it is, it's just, it makes your worries kind of seem insignificant. Yeah. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? There's all this beauty out there and I just look at the beach and the waves. And so I just imagine it's washing my worries away. That's, that's what I feel like. Beautiful way to put it, actually. And and there was one one day where I was literally feeling like it was washing my worries away when, when you know, I was out in the West Pier, the longest one. Yeah. And I turned back into Dunleary and the wind was so strong that it was basically like blowing the, the sea up into my face, you yeah. know. 
But as I was running, I got to the end of the, the pier and there was a seal. And I had never seen the seal kind of outside of the zoo, I suppose. And okay, yeah. he was just, or she, just like chilled there and just bobbing. And I could have stood there for a few minutes, just kind of getting my breath. The, the seal wasn't going anywhere. And again, just something very beautiful about the seal because they're gorgeous animals in the first place. Yeah, they're but, amazing. They're so cool. And and just the the calmness that that was giving off. The seal was just chilling there. Just chilling. Just chilling. And like, honestly, the water was being whipped up and everything was going on around. And that, you know, it was kind of a metaphor for, you know, uh, anxiety almost. The fact that like when you're there and everything is whipping up around you, like, and it's can you be that kind of Zen mode that the seal was in? Yeah, when you're surrounded by chaos, you mm. can always try to find the calm within even, yeah. Be, a, no, it, be like a seal. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it just, it's helped me so much. It really has. And I would just encourage anyone to try and get out. And even if you don't like the sea, even try go to like, you know, a wooded area. Because mm. I'm not close to the sea right now. We have like this wooded area just around the corner. I'll go there and I'll, I'll try not to kind of take my phone out that much, unless I'm taking pictures of plants and stuff. And you just like, just surround yourself in nature and you, if you listen to the birds and if you just stop and actually pause and look at what's around you it just it really calms me down and I can say it calms a lot of people down as well you know have you found that like it's since you're doing the Instagram and stuff that you've have a little community going with the other marine biologists yes I have I actually <laughs> I haven't found that many people in Ireland who are um, marine biologists. There's one uh, girl, her name is Finn. She, she's great as well. She's based up um, kind of Bundoran. But I think as much you know, as she's a marine biologist and I'm a marine biologist, our, our content is totally different. Right. You know, she might focus in on, I think, a lot of um, her sea swimming. And um, she does a lot of work, you know, with, I think she does marine protected areas as well or marine mammals. Yeah. Whereas I focus in on like the, let's bring the scientific stuff down to basics and talk about mm. what's around our coast. Because actually, I haven't found many people. The, the bigger community I've found has been um, the sea swimming community. Right. It's just gone, it's just exploded in Ireland. It's amazing. And there is a lot of, I've seen a few kind of nature, kind of conservation, you know, terrestrial stuff. Mm. But no, um, and that was one of the reasons I, I set up the marine biology page because I didn't see anything like that. I've seen a few people, you know, in tropical areas in the country you know they do their snorkeling and they have like these professional photographers taking photos then but yeah. i don't have that i lose no. that photo. that's the best thing i have the but but you know what i mean like i don't think anybody really needs the you know the, especially with the cameras that we have you know yeah. in our phones today yeah. like at our disposal i think um i i have somebody followed me recently and it was just after actually i followed you so maybe it was just a weird coincidence but the whale whisperer She's um yeah, she's right. obviously big into whales and dolphins and stuff like that. Um but I, I love that was another thing I I noticed about the sea swimming uh thing because the community when you're there, you know, when you're by the sea, it's amazing how they all will just say hello to you and Oh, you know, they're so nice. They, they are really, really nice. nice. Yeah, and I mean a lot of that community just kind of started off because of COVID and people mm. were struggling during COVID and it's just such an open community. There's one page in particular, um salty sea sisters oh yeah oh it's it's run by two girls kind of based up north they just started promoting you know sea swimming and they're just posting other people around ireland you know swimming in the sea and i think they had their first birthday there a few months ago i unfortunately couldn't go but just the community that they mm. brought together there was hundreds of people there it's amazing it's just 
Oh, and for people, you know, who might feel lonely at this time and stuff, it's just been, it's, it's helped hugely. Like, I'm definitely going to follow that whale whisperer, though. I don't think I follow her. Yeah, <laughs> whale whisperer. Have a, have a look. Very good content as well. And, and I, I will say one thing about the sea swimmers. They, they can, what, what was the, what's the diplomatic way of putting this? They have told me some untruths, right? Because you know when you walk, you're you're in you've your little bag of whatever your towel and all that, and you say, yeah. "What's the water like?" And they're like, "Oh, it's lovely. It's grand. It's never grand." I say it too, though. Much, <laughs> I'm I am that person. As much and all as it's freezing, it's so grand once you're in. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm that person as well. <laughs> but if you suffix with, if you put like at the end of it, it's grand once you're in, then it becomes more of a truth. But I remember the first person who told me it was grand. I think it might have been the first one because it was June or July. And you know, when someone says it's grand, then you're like, of course it's grand at the time of the year. Yeah. And I said, I'll never trust them again. Yeah. I, just can't, I just can't trust them. But outside of that, then, Anya, um, what, outside of the ocean, we'll see, what do you like to do in your spare time? Oh, I'm, I love walking my dog. I'm, I just love being outdoors anyway, in general, to be honest. I'm just a social person, but I do like um, kind of spending time by myself too. Yeah, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also kind of introverted. And it took me a long time to be okay with being by myself. Yeah. But now I absolutely love it. So honestly, if I'm not posting content and stuff, I'm probably just with my dog walking around or, you know, going into town, getting a coffee and stuff. I I just love being outdoors, outside, people watching, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great pastime. I, I think it's nice to hear somebody say that they like to be by themselves because I think it's still seen as kind of, um, you know, strange enough that people would want to be on their own. Like I talk about, like, I like my own company. I like, I mean, you can't read in company. So I like reading. And then I like, I like going to the cinema on my own. It, it, yeah. It's just one of those things where I can sit at the back and, you know, go in the afternoon and there's nobody there. And it's quite, I don't know, it's enjoyable. But if you say that to someone and they find it's very weird that you're on your own in cinema, you know. I think they're a lot of the time they're probably just struggling with dealing with themselves as well, mm. because if you're secure in yourself, you you don't really need to put another person down for what they're doing as well. That's that's the way I see it, you know. Yeah. And if you can't, like, you need to love to be by yourself because at the end of the day, it's it's you you have to depend on, no matter how many friends you have or, you know, if you're married, because it's just yourself you have to deal with and live with at the end of the day. So I I love it now, and it it did take me a long time. It was only in the last two years when I really just enjoyed being by myself. And it's great. It's just you do your own thing. Nobody's there to tell you what to do. <laughs> it's, it's very true. And do you think that that, that kind of uh, self-awareness can be put down to, like you, you mentioned, you spent a number of years in, in counselling. Do you think that helped with that? Yeah, I did. It did, I think. And I think a lot of it as well was just kind of gaining self-confidence because I mm. had that imposter syndrome. And then I realised, okay, I didn't get where... I was today because of I was an imposter it was because I was a hard worker you know I mightn't have been academically extremely smart but you know I was I started to become proud of myself I always gave off this persona that you know kind of full of crap really you know like it was really loud bubbly but you know deep down you would be insecure and that was who I was I was insecure and I didn't you know like some of the stuff I did and I just kind of, you need to have a long think with yourself and the counselling definitely helped it for me and just being okay with myself and kind of graduating and, and getting the job that I was good at, it mm. really helped as well. But even even now tomorrow, let's just say, if I got touch wood, if I got fired, I mean, I know I'm good at this job. I'll find something else, you know? You just have to be okay with being you as well at the end of the day. Here, here. I think a lot of people, and, and 
definitely helped me um you know therapy helped me with that you know being comfortable in my own skin like and it, it sounds you know it's kind of cheesy or whatever it is but i think a lot of people uh, you know going back to the life jacket really people will think that you look like a, a nerd or whatever like but again it's that comfortable like um, we're, we're all we're all should have a bit of cop on in the first place but it's also the idea of yeah it's, it's all right to be nice and relaxed with who you are i mean i have anxieties every day but i'm yeah. still quite happy to spend time on my own and and uh not to not to worry too much what people are thinking about me really yeah, and I, I think no matter if you have issues or you don't have issues, I think everyone should try therapy at least once in their life mm. because it's nice to talk to someone that's um, it's non-biased and it's just, it, I think everyone should try it once. I think it was it's amazing. It really it's, is. I agree. The episode coming up after uh, this one, actually, uh, the week after this one is with a, a psychologist. And again, it's like I've had a few different types of therapists on CBT. I've had someone on for that. I've had a couple of psychotherapists had a psychologist now. And, you know, every time they've come on, there's, you know, I've experienced it because I've been there, uh, you know, um, done the therapy, but every time they come on, there's this like just the reassuring quality about them and everything about them to me. um, I've always have great admiration for people giving up the time to listening to other people's, you know, problems, difficulties, whatever way you want to say it. There's something quite, you know, heroic in that for me, I think. Yeah, it is because, I mean, taking on someone else's burden, that can have an effect on them as well. I couldn't mm. do it. No. I would, it would just, it would take too much out of me. So you need to be a special kind of person to do it. And I have huge respect for those people. You know, they're, yeah. they're brilliant. 100%. Anya, where can people find you? I know we mentioned it already, but go for it. Um, just my Instagram handle, oceangirl underscore Anya. That's where you can find me. <laughs> there we go. Um, Anya, it's been a, a, a genuine pleasure uh thank you for your honesty and thanks for telling me about uh how all of the things work in the sea basically <laughs> thank you so much for having me Derek. it was great you're welcome listen if you don't mind sticking around for a minute i'll close it out just take a quick photo and we'll we'll go yeah. all right thank you very much uh john uh, thank you very much to john for his work on all the technical stuff on the podcast as ever um to the people who make it happen my mom my, my dad my granddad jaron calvin for the logo music subscribe to youtube or on instagram facebook and twitter and all the podcast platforms including spotify apple anchor and google podcasts um thank you everyone for watching or listening whatever you decided to do and once again Anya, thank you very much thank you so much uh, and everybody we'll talk to you next week take care bye